Hello, everybody. It's April 19th, and it's so good to have you with us as we continue to treasure the scriptures. My name is David McAdam, and I am happy to serve as a one-year Bible tour guide as we make daily progress reading through the whole counsel of God and His Word in one year. But our goal is not just to finish reading all 66 books of the Bible. Some don't understand that the Bible is not like any other book. It's not like a novel that you might read through once and then put down for good once you've read it. No, God's Word is forever settled in heaven. Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. They remain eternally true and eternally relevant. His Word does not need to be edited, revised, or updated. Jesus prayed to His Father in heaven that His followers would be set apart, transformed, made whole, and conformed into His image through the agency of His Word and the work of the Holy Spirit. Sanctify them in the truth, Jesus said. Your word is truth, John 17, verse 17. Now I realize that there are some passages that do not immediately grip us as much as others might. There are genealogies, and we have been reading in recent days of detailed geographical descriptions of land allotments to the tribes of Israel. Yet the more we get familiar with the overarching story of the Bible, we realize that these details are important. The biblical account of God's work in providing redemption for the human race is grounded in time-space history. It's rooted in these geographical and genealogical details. We also see how God is faithful to His promises, even when there is so much unfaithfulness exhibited among His people. And the record of His faithfulness to perform what He has promised encourages us to believe that He will fulfill what promises that have not yet been fulfilled. Those promises will be fulfilled in the future. I remember the one-word answer that a former atheist gave when he was asked what convinced him that the Bible was true. His one-word answer? Israel. We see that the history of this nation throughout the centuries, its settlement in the land promised by God, its survival in the presence of enemies that threatened to see its existence exterminated, and what the Bible has to say about its future— underscores that there is a God who is superintending world history and making himself known as the keeper of his promises. I'm sure you would be interested if you knew that there was a title deed to some land with your name on it. So let's take a deep breath as we read the remaining allotments to the children of Israel that are being given tribe by tribe. We're starting with chapter 19 of the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua, chapter 19, verse 1 and I'll be reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. The Inheritance for Simeon The second lot came out for Simeon, for the tribe of the people of Simeon according to their clans, and their inheritance was in the midst of the inheritance of the people of Judah. And they had for their inheritance Beersheba, Sheba, Moladah, Hazar Shual, Bala, Azem, Eltolad, Bethul, Hormah, Ziklag, Beth Markaboth, Hazar Susa, Beth Lebeoth, and Sharuhen, thirteen cities with their villages, Ain, Rimon, Ather, and Ashan, four cities with their villages, together with all the villages around these cities as far as Baalath Be'er, Ramah of the Negeb. This was the inheritance of the tribe of the people of Simeon according to their clans. The inheritance of the people of Simeon formed part of the territory of the people of Judah. Because the portion of the people of Judah was too large for them, 
the people of Simeon obtained an inheritance in the midst of their inheritance, the inheritance of Zebulun. The third lot came up for the people of Zebulun according to their clans, and the territory of their inheritance reached as far as Sarid. Then their boundary goes up westward and on the Marial and touches Dabesheth, then the brook that is to the east of Jokneam. From Sarid it goes in the other direction eastward toward the sunrise to the boundary of Chisloth-Tabor. From there it goes to Dabaroth, then up to Japhia. From there it passes along on the east towards the sunrise to Gath-Hefer and Eth-Kazin. And going on to Rimon, it bends toward Nea. Then on the north, the boundary turns about to Hanathon, and it ends at the valley of Hiftahel. And Kathath, Nahalal, Shimron, Idalah, and Bethlehem, twelve cities with their villages. This is the inheritance of the people of Zebulun, according to their clans, these cities with their villages. The fourth lot came for Issachar and for the people of Issachar according to their clans. Their territory included Jezreel, Jesuloth, Shunem, Hafaraim, Shion, Anaharath, Rabbith, Gishion, Ebez, Remeth, Enganim, Enhadah, Bethpazes. The boundary also touches Tabor, Shahasuma, and Bethshemesh, and its boundary ends at the Jordan. Sixteen cities with their villages. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the people of Issachar, according to their clans, the cities with their villages. Next we read of the inheritance for Asher. The fifth lot came out for the tribe of the people of Asher, according to their clans. Their territory included Helkoth, Hali, Betan, Akshaf, Alamelech, Ahmad, and Mishal. On the west it touches Carmel, and Shihor Libnoth. Then it turns eastward, it goes to Beth Dagon, and touches Zebulun and the land of Iftahel, northward to Bethamech and Niel. Then it continues in the north to Kabul, Ebron, Rehob, Hamon, Kana, as far as Sidon the Great. Then the boundary turns to Ramah, reaching to the fortified city of Tyre. Then the boundary turns to Hosa, and it ends at the sea. Mahalab, Oxib, Uma, Afek, and Rehob, twenty-two cities with their villages. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the people of Asher, according to their clans, these cities with their villages. Next we read the inheritance of Naphtali. The sixth lot came for the people of Naphtali. For the people of Naphtali, according to their clans, and their boundary ran from Helef, from the oak in Zaananim, and Adami Nekeb, and Jabniel, as far as Lakum, and it ended at the Jordan. Then the boundary turns westward to Asnath Tabor, and it goes from there to Hukok, touching Zebulun at the south, and Asher on the west, and Judah on the east at the Jordan. The fortified cities are Zidim, Zer, Hamath, Rakath, Chinnereth, Adama, Rama, Hazor, Kadesh, Edrai, and Hazor, Yairan, Migdal-el, Horam, Bethanath, and Bethshemesh, nineteen cities with their villages. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the people of Naphtali, according to their clans, the cities with their villages. 
Next we read the inheritance for Dan. The seventh lot came out for the tribe of the people of Dan according to their clans, and the territory of its inheritance included Zorah, Eshtaol, Irshemesh, Shaalabin, Aijalon, Ithla, Elon, Timnah, Ekron, Eltekeh, Gibbethon, Baalath, Jehud, Beneberach, Gathramon, and Mejakon, and Rakon, with the territory over against Joppa. When the territory of the people of Dan was lost to them, the people of Dan went up and fought against Leshem, and after capturing it and striking it with the sword, they took possession of it and settled in it, calling Leshem Dan, after the name of Dan their ancestor. This is the inheritance of the tribe of the people of Dan, according to their clans, these cities with their villages. And now, the inheritance for Joshua. When they had finished distributing the several territories of the land as inheritances, the people of Israel gave an inheritance among them to Joshua the son of Nun. By command of the Lord, they gave him the city that he asked, Timnath-serah, in the hill country of Ephraim. And he rebuilt the city and settled in it. These are the inheritances that Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the people of Israel distributed by Lot at Shiloh before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. So they finished dividing the land. Chapter 20. The Cities of Refuge Then the Lord said to Joshua, Say to the people of Israel, Appoint the cities of refuge of which I spoke to you through Moses, that the manslayer who strikes any person without intent or unknowingly may flee there. They shall be for you a refuge from the avenger of blood. He shall flee to one of these cities and shall stand at the entrance of the gate of the city and explain his case to the elders of that city. Then they shall take him into the city and give him a place, and he shall remain with them. And if the avenger of blood pursues him, they shall not give up the manslayer into his hand, because he struck his neighbor unknowingly and did not hate him in the past. And he shall remain in that city until he has stood before the congregation for judgment, until the death of him who is high priest at the time. Then the manslayer may return to his own town and his own home, to the town from which he fled. So they set apart Kedesh in Galilee in the hill country of Naphtali, and Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, and Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the hill country of Judah. And beyond the Jordan east of Jericho they appointed Bezer, in the wilderness on the tableland, from the tribe of Reuben, and Ramoth in Gilead, from the tribe of Gad, and Golan in Bashan, from the tribe of Manasseh. These were the cities designated for all the people of Israel, and for the stranger sojourning among them, that anyone who killed a person without intent could flee there, so that he might not die by the hand of the avenger of blood, till he stood before the congregation." And this concludes today's reading from the Old Testament book of Joshua. Now let's take a few moments to survey what we have just read. By the way, if you'd like to see a map of the territorial allotments, you can go to our website and subscribe to our daily email, which has pictures and maps, uh, etc., that can help you understand today's passage. The dividing of the land into different portions with well-defined boundaries gave each tribe a sense of ownership and responsibility. Each tribe was encouraged to promote the maintenance, care, stewardship, loyalty, and unity in their territory to rise to their unique challenges. 
The boundaries also reduced tensions and jealousies as each one recognized their portion was allotted to them in the will of God. The first lot we read about of the seven tribes remaining to receive their inheritance was the tribe of Benjamin, Joshua chapter 18, verses 11 to 26. The second lot was for the Simeonites, Joshua chapter 19, verses 1 to 9. Judah was allotted more territory than they needed, so they shared their territory with the tribe of Simeon. Their territory was located within the territory of Judah. The third lot fell to the tribe of Zebulun, that's chapter 19, verses 10 to 16. Then Issachar, in verses 11 to 23, followed by Asher, in verses 24 to 30, and Naphtali, in verses 32 through 39, and finally Dan, in verses 40 to 48. When the land was divided into the twelve portions, the Israelites gave Joshua the town he asked for, Timnath Serah, where he settled. Next, we read once again about the cities of refuge. The six cities of refuge are established according to God-given instructions through Moses, three cities on each side of the River Jordan, spaced in such a way as to be accessible from anywhere within the nation and visible upon approach. The elders of each of the appointed cities are to assure the protection of those who have accidentally or unintentionally killed a neighbor. This protection from any possible avenger of blood is guaranteed until he or she has stood trial before the assembly and until the death of the high priest who is serving at the time. After that, the refugee can return to his hometown from which he fled. Reading this account should make us grateful for the sure place of refuge we have in Jesus Christ. He is our rock and refuge. The Spirit and the Word lifts him high, making him visible and accessible, putting him within our reach today, no matter where we are. So let's encourage people to run to Him. And now let's read today's portion from the New Testament, the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 19, verses 28 through 48. The Triumphal Entry And when He had said these things, He went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When He drew near to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, He sent two of His disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you, 
when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you, because you did not know the time of your visitation. And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him, but they did not find anything they could do, for all the people were hanging on his words. And this is the end of our reading from the New Testament. The triumphal entry of Christ is a declaration of Jesus' Messiahship. Jesus intentionally fulfills the prophecy of Zechariah 9, verse 9. Jesus has demonstrated his credentials as king, proving his authority over nature, rebuking the wind and the waves, his authority over sickness, disease, and death, his authority to forgive sin, and his authority over the Sabbath as the author of the Sabbath. Rather than coming into Jerusalem with the pomp and majesty of a proud conqueror, Jesus comes in humility, not riding on a donkey, but the fowl of a donkey, a colt. He is not accompanied by the rich and famous. The religious rulers were not in the crowd singing the Hallel Psalms, Psalm 113 to 118, proclaiming, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The temple priests are not joining the chorus started by the healed blind man, praising Jesus as the Son of David, the promised Messiah, the anointed king, priest, and prophet. They are not looking to Jesus with their shouts of Hosanna, meaning, Save us now, in Matthew 21, verse 9. The Pharisees in the crowd told Jesus to rebuke his disciples for claiming that he is the Messiah. Jesus said that if these did not cry out, the very stones would cry out. But even among those who were calling Jesus the Son of David, the Messiah, the fulfillment of the prophecy of 2 Samuel 7.12, the majority saw their need as being primarily salvation from Roman oppression rather than the fatal disease of sin. Their enthusiasm was unenlightened. Their faith was misplaced. There were no hosannas or long live the king when Pilate asked what he should do with Jesus of Nazareth a few days later. Jesus was most likely arriving outside the city gates of Jerusalem on the 10th of Nisan, the day when the fathers of Israel would be selecting a spotless lamb to bring to the temple to be sacrificed on the Passover. Exodus chapter 12, verses 3 to 5. Were the people of Israel looking for the lamb who would deliver them from their sin? No, they were looking for their lion who would deliver them from the Romans. They wanted Jesus to overthrow the foreign authorities. Instead, Jesus would go to Jerusalem to overthrow the tables of the money changers. In Luke chapter 19, verses 45 to 46, Jesus wept over the unrepentant hearts in the city. Jesus' prophecy concerning Jerusalem would come true 40 years after it was given. Speaking of Jerusalem, he said, For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side and they will level you to the ground and your children within you, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Luke 19, verses 42 through 44. Roman troops, under the leadership of Titus, the son of Emperor Vespasian, attacked the city of Jerusalem to put an end to a Jewish revolt that began in 66 A.D., 
They broke through the northern wall but could not take the city until they had laid siege to it. Then, in 70 AD, they were able to enter the city, burn it, and completely demolish the temple. The Romans wanted to extract the gold that melted and fell between the cracks of the stones, so they were ordered to leave not one stone left upon another. Thus Jesus' prophecy was accurately fulfilled. Now let's read from the book of Psalms, the Bible songbook, Psalm 88, verses 1 through 18. I cry out day and night before you. A song, a psalm of the sons of Korah. To the choirmaster, according to Mahalath Leonoth, a maskil of Heman, the Ezraite. Verse 1. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. This concludes our reading from the book of Psalms today. Psalm 88 is one that evokes great sympathy from the reader. This person is having a tough time. While most psalms of complaint have a resolve, this one doesn't. Prayers seem to go unanswered. Friends turn their back. The author senses God's wrath. As I read it, I think of the cup that Jesus took for me. It was a bitter cup, but his acceptance of it and his bearing of it has made it possible for me to drink from the well of salvation. And now for today's proverb, Proverbs chapter 13, verses 12 through 14. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Whoever despised the word brings destruction on himself, but he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. These proverbs spell out the struggle that we have with disappointment and disobedience. We must persevere in faith even when a promise has been delayed or not fulfilled according to our expectation. The tree of life has a lot of deep roots underground. Don't fret what you cannot yet see of a fulfilled desire. If you fear the commandments and give heed to them, you will be rewarded. Let's pray. O Lord, you are our tree of life. 
our source, our Savior and King. You are our city of refuge. We hail you, Lord Jesus, the Son of David, the Son of God, and thank you for putting away our sin at Calvary and overturning the tables of anything that would cheat you of your deserved worship. We ask for the needed wisdom and strength to turn from all evil and live in a way that is pleasing to you, Father, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining with us today. We hope that you are satisfied with your portion in Christ. After all, in Him we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. All things are ours, and as Christ belongs to God, so we belong to Christ. We are hid with Christ in Him, and we can be content because Jesus is the content of our contentment. You can subscribe to our daily email by going to our website, newlife.org, and then you can subscribe and get the maps and illustrations that go with our daily reading commentary. If you would like to know more about New Life Community Church and its ministries, you can go to our website and also find out about our summer camp registration that is now open. God bless you, and may you be a signpost to Jesus today. Shalom.